When something happens in our life that doesn't go exactly as planned, what do we do? We have to find something or someone to blame. Brene Brown tells a story about a time that her husband came home late from water polo practice. It was too late one night, so her evening routine led to her next morning routine being delayed and sluggish. Hence, she says she needed another cup of coffee. So when she goes to the kitchen to pour the second cup of coffee that morning, her mug falls to the floor and smashes and breaks, and hot coffee goes everywhere. And the words out of her mouth? Damn you, Steve. Was Steve even there in the kitchen in the same room? Nope. But he was the immediate one she thought to blame. In a way, we get ourselves into a bind anytime there's conflict. Anytime someone has what we don't have and we want. Anytime we feel the need to be right over a situation that isn't entirely going our way. So we either blame ourselves or we go big and go home and decide we're going to blame someone else instead. Blame is unleashing or discharging pain and discomfort, a discharge of anger. And that's what we encounter in Jesus's parable for today. In the first century, landowners had all the power. Peasants had none. And any time there was an opportunity to seize the assets of a landowner, some people would take advantage. After all, the landowner was somehow to blame for the problems of the world. The story makes that clear in some way. But Jesus' message turns on the hearer. When people want to know how the story resolves with justice, Jesus instead says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of heaven will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom, which absolutely enrages the crowd. After all, Jesus himself is purposely pointing fingers at the religious establishment in the parable. The slogan, Jesus save me from your followers is mighty appropriate here. Jesus's parable paints the religious authorities as those who are the slaves who seek to get ahead by blaming and destroying. Jesus sees the toxicity of their way of life and their unwillingness to let God in. Parables reveal a truth that is better discovered than explicitly said. And in today's case, the kingdom of God is shown to thrive, even when the people who claim to be a part of it would rather point fingers and corrode every possibility of connection with the world around them. To the hearers of this story, the main scandal is that the kingdom of God isn't like the kingdom of the world. Everyone who would listen to Jesus's parables always wanted to hear signs of God coming to destroy the occupying Roman Empire or to take all the worldly power away from the rich and give it to the poor. That was the lens that people sincerely wanted to hear Jesus's message. And every time, 
they ended up disappointed because Jesus's portrayal of the kingdom of God was unlike anything the world had ever seen. And even though the religious establishment of his day should have understood what he was getting at, time and time and time again, they didn't. So much of this parable resonates about today. In an age of vast uncertainty, in the disparity that widens every month between rich and poor, in the political conflicts that threaten the American way of life, in the ways in which the powerful usurp the dignity of the powerless, in the desire of the 99% to be a part of that 1%, the blame, the scheming, the lust for acquiring wealth and power, the traps of our current age are as ever-present as those the characters face in today's parable. In our thirst to discharge pain and grief, we seek to blame. With our closed hearts and minds, we provoke environments of caustic relationships instead of ones built on dignity and respect. In place of listening to the people whom we truly love, we would rather point fingers and distance ourselves. We all do this. Right now, I think our obsession with social media, with instant 24-hour news, and with free unlimited data anytime, any place, exacerbates all of these behaviors. We need a quick understanding of why, and we can't figure it out. Well then, someone then is to blame. Someone needs to be destroyed. Someone needs to be banished, cast out, blocked, I dare say, excommunicated. But none of this behavior is part of God's kingdom. None of this behavior brings us any closer to realizing the kingdom of God. In fact, a lot of this type of behavior stands in our way as a barrier between us and the life we're called by Jesus into living. The kingdom of God is something better than what we've got. Even better than something we think we can have a month from now, a year from now, ten years from now. God's plan, God's kingdom is so much better. And God has such a desire to meet us, actually, exactly where we are. Not in our happy, shiny, polished selves, which God certainly delights in, but also God seeks us in those places where the isolation has gotten to us and started to play with our minds. In those places where social distancing has hurt our spirit in some ways. In those places where the noise of the outside world overwhelms us and we want to make it all stop. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is our foundation, our cornerstone, the one who is God with us and will understand the aches and trials and tribulations we face. Jesus is the unmovable one that no matter the chaos of today, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. 
that no matter whatever we face, nor how badly we revert back into the blame game, Jesus is the one in our lives, the one in our lives. And I'd like to add that many of Jesus's followers are too. They're the ones in our lives who will say, I do understand. I will pledge to offer you love. I will pledge to help you find joy. I will commit to helping you find whole living and full life where you can immerse yourself in the kingdom of God. Our call then, our invitation, is to be the laborers that produce the fruit, to rely on Jesus' foundation of love and to bring forth all the fruits of God's Spirit into the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that partnering with the living God will bring us. These are the things that Jesus promises the kingdom of God offers. These are the outpourings of our labors, our efforts, our commitments, our resolve to keep walking, to keep going, to keep immersing ourselves in the way of Jesus and his love. These are the things that can and will happen with us when we pay attention and we follow Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are a lot of gifts that the kingdom of God can offer us. So pick one right now. What's the one you're going to work on this week? What is Jesus, our cornerstone, leading you to, calling you to be, calling you into a better life, a blessed life, one where those who produce the fruit of God's kingdom are even blessed with more. No more blaming. No more provoking caustic responses. No more trying to control everything. God's kingdom has good fruit, gifts for you. Start with one thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The kingdom of God will help us cultivate all of it eventually. But pick one. Which one will it be for you this week?